Columbia University uh, researcher Sheena Iyengar has determined that on average, um, the per an average person makes about 70 decisions per day. I don't know about you, <clears throat> excuse me, but what decisions did you make today? Maybe when your alarm went off, you were trying to, to, to decide, do I hit the snooze or not? Maybe some of you are like, do I go to church or not? You woke up, you decided what to wear, you decided whether you're gonna eat breakfast, and if you went to a coffee shop, you had to choose amongst a bunch of choices. You probably chose which mode of transportation uh, to take to get here. You walked into this auditorium and you had a lot of seats to, to choose from. And you had to face the very difficult task of singing along with Pastor Danny or not, but it's an easy one. That's about 25,500 decisions a year. And then if on average you live about to 70, that's 1,788,500 decisions in your lifetime. Albert Camus, a 20th century philosopher, says that life, your life is a sum of all your choices. So if you put all those 1,788,500 choices all together, that's who you are. And while this morning's decisions may not have been as significant for the most of us, what would the past week of your decisions say about you? What would the past month of your decisions say about you? Maybe the past year. We are in our fifth year, fifth, not fifth year, fifth week of our sermon series in the book of Proverbs. And we've been reminded again and again that Proverbs is all about ultimate truths. They're not just wise sayings. They're pointing to ultimate truths about God, about humanity, about life on earth. And in pointing to these truths, <clears throat> the book of Proverbs is about wisdom that we can have every single day of our lives. Every single day, God's people can have wisdom for life. So far, we've talked a lot about diligence and sex and money, and today we get to talk, to talk about decision-making. I hope it's an, an encouragement to you all to that we, get, we have God's word that is so not just available to us, but powerful enough to give us what we need so that we can obey him, so that we can respond to him, so that we can live for him. And, and if we're making almost two million decisions in our lives, the process of decision-making is a, an extremely important one that we need to talk about. We need wisdom in our decisions. And so many of us are here in Boston trying to make these decisions, aren't we? A lot of you are here for school, and I just met a brother who's thinking about coming to school here. You're, you're gonna decide what major to, to study. You're gonna decide uh, what job to apply to, and if you have multiple job offers, which job to, to accept. For those of you who are looking for a significant other, you're wondering who out there might be the one. You're trying to decide, who should I marry? Where should I live? You get married, where do I, um, when do I start having kids? And, and if, do I start buying a house? Whatever it is, we're making these decisions, important decisions here in this critical juncture of our lives. A lot of us are in the college and young adult age. So we want to look at scripture, and today we're going to look at Proverbs 16. 
and also Proverbs 3. So if you have your Bibles, turn there, Proverbs 16. And we're going to read verses 1 through 9 in chapter 16, and then we're going to jump backwards to chapter 3 and read verse um, 5 and 6. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't, you can read along with me on the screen. Proverbs 16. The plans of the man belong to a man. Uh, plans of the heart belong to a ma- to man. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for its for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And then we're going to go back to chapter 3, probably the most famous verse in all of the book of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray before we continue. Father in heaven, we need you this morning. We need your presence, we need your power, we need your love, we need your mercy, we need your righteousness. We ask that you would meet us, speak to us, and transform us. May we be forever changed because of your powerful work in and through your one and only Son, in whose name we now pray, amen. In these nine verses in, the, in Proverbs chapter 16, God is actually mentioned the most in the entire book. And if we look at uh, verse 1 and verse 9, they're actually direct parallels. They're two verses reiterate, reiterating the same thing. So in some ways, it's, it's saying, hey, here's the, here's the beginning and here's the end. And all of this in between is about human planning, and God's role in human planning. The plans of the heart belong to man, woman, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And in verse 9 it says, the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. It's saying the same thing in different ways to repeat and get the point across. This section is trying to teach us about God Godly wisdom in our decision-making. Godly wisdom in our planning for our lives. And actually, the vocabulary in chapter 16 alludes to and points back to chapter 3, and that, which is why we, we read it. It gives us a full picture of what it looks like to make decisions in God's wisdom. So today, this morning, we want to look at what I believe are three guiding principles for wise decision-making. Proverbs 16 and uh, Proverbs 3 gives us three guiding principles for wise decision-making. The first principle is be faithful. Be faithful. When I say be faithful, um, what do I mean? I, I mean that it's about making the best plans 
possible with what you already know and what's within your control. Again, we look at verses 1 and 9, and it would be tempting to read these verses and think that God, because he has the ultimate say, that he has, in, in some sense, the, the, the veto card to, to our uh, plan, that, oh, it doesn't matter what we plan, but it's actually the exact, exact opposite. It's not that our plans don't matter, it's that our plans matter very much. We have to plan as well as possible, and when it comes down to what actually happens, that the Lord, he is sovereign, he's faithful, he'll do what he needs to do. But wise decision-making starts with being faithful to what we know and what we already have control over right now. A lot of times we, we do so much of our decision-making based on future things, right? Where will we be? Where do we want to be? What do we want to do, hopefully, in the future? We spend so much mental real estate, mental energy, and emotional, um, just all of what we have into figuring out what's going to be in the future. When Proverbs is all about what do you have on your plate right now? What do you have within your capacity, within your ability, within your influence. And one, one thing that I want to clarify is that God's will is traditionally viewed in, in three ways. The first is we see God's will, part of it is God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will is the overarching will of God for the entire universe, which means that God works out everything, whether it's little things, big things, for his good and sovereign purposes. And this also means that we don't have all the answers to why things happen the way that they do. But God is working out everything for his sovereign will. Another part of God's will is his moral will. And this is the desired will of God for all people, which is described in scripture. It's what God desires for humanity and from humanity. And it's all in in Scripture. It's in the Bible. And lastly, and this is where we get hung up, right? God's individual will, the specific will of God for our personal lives. And we, we discuss this so much as something that we need to figure out before we make any other decision in life. What's God's will for my life? And this traditional view typically uh, is represented, and I, I try to make a diagram, right? That God's moral will is the boundary of, of how we should live. God's commands in Scripture, and our individual will is this little dot that we have to get precisely. We have to land on it perfectly if we want to experience God's will for our lives. Uh, this is way back, maybe not that way back, but I grew up without video games. So I read a lot of books, and I went to the library, and I always looked for choose-your-own-adventure books. Anyone grew up with these? Choose-your-own-adventure books? Y'all are deprived if you don't know what these are. You would read along this story, and whenever you get to a critical moment, you have to choose whether to go into the cave or you go to the mountaintop. If you want to go to the cave, turn to page 40. If you want to go to the mountaintop, turn to page 41. You choose the cave, you, you turn to it, and it's like, the cave fills up with water, the end. I was like, <laughs> dang. 
And I, I, I remember one time I, I, I was reading and I threw the book because I was so angry because I chose the wrong way. <laughs> Depending on where, what you choose in whatever part of the story, you would get your outcome. And there was no turning back. Those two words would haunt you, the end. That was your goal, to never read those words until you get to the last page of the book. And sometimes we view God's will like a choose-your-own-adventure book, don't we? We fear that we're going to miss that dot. And somehow we're going to get shortchanged and we're going to get plan B and plan C, plan D of what God has ever wanted for us. And this traditional view of God's will is a very confusing experience for, for you and me because what happens if you don't land on that dot? And what I want to say to you, and this is, I could recommend a lot of books to you, is that this individual will of God is actually not talked about much in Scripture. The Bible is full of God's sovereign will, that he's trustworthy in all things, in all circumstances. God's moral will is all over Scripture about how we need to live so that we can experience abundant life. But nowhere in Scripture tells me how I figure out or I, that I need to figure out that I was supposed to move to Boston, go to school here, meet my wife, get married, buy a house, and whatever. We get so caught up in the individual will put all our chips there that we're not looking at God's moral will and God's sovereign will. Part of good decision-making, wise decision-making, is being faithful to what you already know, what's already in your possession. Some of us who've, already, who've grown up in, in the church, we know God's command, and we're knowingly disobeying it. The call is to be faithful, repent, and come back into fellowship, come back into deep communion with God. And a lot of us know the positive commands of Scripture of how we can live the most fulfilling life ever. It's, it's on us to be faithful to those things. And in Proverbs 16, verses 6 and 8, it's, it gets reiterated of the things that we already know. Wise planning and wise decision-making is a product of pursuing things like steadfast love and faithfulness and fear of the Lord and righteousness. But we, we bypass that. We want to know where we should work, who we should marry, where we should live. We spend too much time there and too little time on the things that God has made very clear. And God cares about your everyday decisions. But I'm going to say that God cares more about you becoming more holy, more set apart. God cares more about your godliness than he does about where you'll end up, what major you'll choose, what neighborhood you'll live in, what school your kid will go to. By virtue of God being good and gracious and loving, he, he does care about those decisions. So don't mis mishear me. He cares what you choose, and he does have a plan for you. But God didn't save us so that you would figure out your vocation, your spouse, how much money you should make. God saved you and me so that we would 
live all of our life and find ultimate satisfaction in living for him in anything and everything we do, whatever job we have and anywhere and everywhere we will be and with anyone and everyone we come into contact with. That's what God saved us for. And before I continue, I do want to plug Pastor Bill's gift and calling class. If you don't know, really, if you don't know your spiritual gifts, if you don't have a sense of, of some of the passions that God has gifted you with, and scripture is, is very clear that every, single, every one of you has a spiritual gift that you need to offer, not just for your own benefit, but to the people around you and to the world. Find those things out. Devote a Friday night, a Saturday um, afternoon to figuring these things out. Because once you know those things, you will make wise, wiser decisions for the rest of your life. Be faithful. Second principle is to be full of faith. To be full of faith. And I tried to be clever and it's all F's, okay? Be full of faith. What do I mean by be full of faith is being faithful is doing what you need to with what you do know and what you do have control over. Being full of faith is to trust God in the things that you don't know and the things that you don't have control over. And if we read Proverbs 3, it's 3.5, it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That, that verb trust is actually related to an Arabic verb that literally means to throw yourself down on your face in complete reliance. Throw yourself down on your face in complete reliance. And similarly, in uh, Proverbs 16, 3, it says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. That word commit means roll away as if it's a stone. Roll it away. Don't expect it to come back. Wise, godly people do their best to be faithful with what they know and what they have control over, and they also know their limitations. They know that what they don't have control over, with, over and they know what, or they're aware of the things that they don't know, and they trust God completely. And if we think about it, every decision we make requires faith. It's faith in something or someone Every decision is an exercise in, in faith whether someone or something will pull through to your expectations. And the question in between the lines is who are you trusting functionally in the decisions that you make? If you're making 70 decisions today, if you're making 25,500 decisions this year, what do your decisions say about your trust? Who are you trusting? And Proverbs, not just Proverbs 3 and 16, but the entire Bible says that there's no one better to trust than Yahweh, the God of the Bible. One of my favorite Christian authors, A.W. Tozer, writes this. Pseudo-faith always arranges a way out to serve in case God fails, fails it. Real faith knows only one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way or makeshift substitutes. For true faith, it is either God or total collapse. Trusting God is to have no backup plan. Trusting God is, if God 
were to be revealed that he didn't exist, we would be not just devastated, we wouldn't know what to do. Because all of our hope, all of our trust was placed into him. That's the type of trust that brings about not just wise decision-making, but abundant life. And trusting God doesn't require that you have answers to every question. Trusting God doesn't require that you have zero doubts. It just means you rely on him completely. There's no backup plan. And you're okay having nothing else and no one else but God. Two years ago, almost exactly two years ago, Luke Akins accomplished the world's first skydiving jump without a parachute. Crazy, right? From 25,000 feet above the desert in California, he jumped out of a plane onto a net 100 feet by 100 feet. And I don't know, can you see that? That's, that's the net right there, that little square. There's videos online, and the whole time I'm just like, like, ah, what's going to happen? He, he hits a terminal velocity of 120 miles per hour hitting that net. And this seems like such an insane thing to do that, like, why would anyone ever do this? But there's a backstory to who Luke Akins is. Luke Akins has accomplished over 18,000 skydiving jumps in his life. He was one of the stunt, stuntmen in Iron Man 3. <laughs> and specifically for this particular jump, he, he practiced it a dozen, dozens of times with a parachute, but only pulling it once he hit 1,000 feet above the ground and on a smaller target. When we think about it in that sense, then Luke Akins was fully trained and fully prepared. He knew what he was doing, and he did things. He took this risk. He did things boldly and confidently. And sometimes we look at, you know, the wise, bold, courageous people, those confident people in the faith, and we wonder, whoa, how did they ever choose that? But everyone has a backstory too. At some point, every even the most famous believer decided the same thing that Soyoung decided this morning. That they wanted Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior regardless of what would happen in the future. And in the practice of being faithful to the things that they knew and, and being full of faith in the things that they didn't know, they, they gained this increasing trust and confidence in, in God to pull through because God, ever since the very beginning, has not failed a single person in the entire universe for all of history. That's what scripture says. No one has ever ultimately been disappointed. That doesn't mean we don't get hurt. That doesn't mean we don't experience suffering or doubt. It just means God will never fail us. And scripture is full of promises like that like Romans 8.28 and Philippians 1.6. That God not only has the power and ability and the authority over the things of the universe, but he also has a heart for you and me. He loves us. And if we ever doubt his love, we just have to look at Jesus on the cross. 
that God's love and compassion for us was so motivated that he sent the most precious being, the most important person to him, so that we would have a way to be in intimate relationship with him, so that we would have a way to have abundant life through him and receive all the promises that Jesus deserved for his perfect life, but instead we take it on because of the cross. And we've said it over and over again that no one becomes wise by accident. All throughout this series, no one becomes wise by accident. And in the same way, no one becomes a great decision maker just by waking up one morning and going, I got it. I'm going to make good decisions from here on out. They have practiced this. They have made thousands of choices to trust God with more and more of their lives, the things that they are unsure of, the things that they are uncertain of, and the things that they know that they followed through. They were faithful. They were diligent in obeying God's commands. And these people who seem to be risking so much and sacrificing so much, they actually are the most content people that I, I have ever met. They may not have all the answers, just like I don't have all the answers, but they're content. They're at peace. They experience joy and hope in the way that God's word tells us we can experience. And the invitation is, is available for all of us today to be faithful and to be full of faith. This includes people who have never accepted Jesus before. Today is an opportunity. Out of the 70 potential decisions that you have, you can choose to follow Jesus. And for us who have already been baptized, who have a personal relationship, the invitation is for you, especially if you're crippled by fear and doubt of what might happen in the future, to take that step boldly, to be willing to fall flat on your face in complete reliance to God for the things that you know God wants for you and for the world. Be faithful, be full of faith, and the last principle is to be be free in faith. Be free in faith. If we're doing the first two principles well, if we're being faithful to the things that we do know, and we're being full of faith in God for the things that we don't know, then there's immense freedom for us to live for God, with God, We don't have to question, was that for God? I don't know. Like, what what, what should I do? Do I I take us back? Do I take us forward? No, there's freedom believing that God loves me so much. He's sanctifying me slowly and gradually that even my common sense is being sanctified. And the things that I want to do are actually aligning with the things that he wants me to do. There's immense freedom In Proverbs 3, 6, it says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. One author paraphrases this verse in this way. He says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Doesn't that feel really good? No, really. We we, we were like, am I leaning 
like, am I acknowledging him? Like, we're questioning that, but it's saying, just look for God's voice in all that you do, wherever you go, and he will keep you on track. If you're being faithful, if you're being full of faith, you have immense freedom to choose a lot of different things. We get to ask questions in our lives to, to check our freedom. What is most honoring to God? What is most spiritual benefit, spiritually beneficial to me and to those around me in this situation? And then you make a decision, you commit to it, and you follow through in faith. Can I share a secret about the pastors at Cornerstone? None of us, Pastor Danny, Pastor Bill, or I, um, actually, yeah, we will rarely tell you what to do. That sounds weird, right? Apart from what God's word says, unless you're harming yourself or harming others around you, we will very rarely say you should do this or you should do that. Is that discouraging? A lot of you come meet with us and look for advice, look for guidance, but what I'm trying to convey is that the pastors love you and respect you all too much. We want you to experience the joy of, of, of experiencing the wisdom from God, of walking with him in, in faith, and, and to experience what it means to be transformed more and more to be like Christ as you're faithful to God's word. We want you to experience for yourself what it feels like to, to, to be in complete reliance on God, no backup plans. We believe in your ability to grow. We believe that you can exercise wisdom. We believe and we want you to experience the joy that comes with complete trust in God. We will always point you to follow Jesus. That's our commitment to you all. And honestly, I'm so grateful to serve along with these two guys because they challenged me to, to love as best as possible. If you want to know what pastors are ever in anguish about, it's about whether the people around us are growing and changing and transforming and experiencing God to the fullest. And if there's something that we could do to to allow that to happen, that we would spur one another on. I'm so proud to serve with these guys. And we promise to, to love you and serve you as best as we can, but we're not going to tell you what to do. Really. We're going to guide you. We're going to love you. We're going to serve you. We want you to experience what it feels like to make wise decisions, to experience the wisdom of God, to follow the wise Savior. And if I could give one practical suggestion in your freedom and faith, is that in the midst of your freedom and faith, Make sure you have godly, Bible-knowing sisters and brothers around you. The Quakers, a, a, a part of Christian, Christian, I don't know, like they're, they're, you know, they're the original Church of England, they came over here, they still exist, but there's a tradition amongst the Quakers where they, when they have to face a decision of discernment, they gather this thing called a clearness committee. Clearness Committee. They get 12 other people that they trust. They sit them down for three hours 
and say, ask me whatever you want. So many of us make decisions in isolation, and Proverbs actually warns explicitly against it. Wise decisions are not made in isolation. In a couple of weeks, we're going to hear about wisdom and friendships. I hope you get so excited for that. There is something about listening to an advice or counsel from someone who loves God, loves you, and wants the best for you. A lot of us, we're so afraid to talk about our decisions out in the open because we know deep inside of us, a little bit at least, we're trying to get away with something. But those who are out in the open, they just want to do what's right and what's going to lead to abundant life. I pray that you all would be released and free to talk about your decisions without any shame, any fear, especially at this church. Proverbs 16 and 3 Three guiding principles. Be faithful, be full of faith, be free in faith. So today, what will you decide? Will more of your decisions, based on hearing the word of God today, and I hope it's not my words, it's the word of God today, will it lead you not to perfecting your decisions, but to be in relationship and communion with a perfect God? Will you grow in your faithfulness to the things that God has already made clear to you, the things within your control and influence, and with everything else to be full of faith in God, to know that he is for you, he's with you, he's able, he's willing. Even when wickedness, brokenness is experienced, that he is just, he knows everything, he will do what's necessary for his will to be accomplished. And lastly, for a lot of us to be free, to take some risks for the kingdom, take some risks in Jesus' name, to look differently than the world, I think that's what wise decision-making looks like. The choice today isn't Jesus with everything else that we have planned for our lives. It's Jesus or nothing else. And I hope you hear that the scriptures, all of the scriptures attest to his trustworthiness. Proverbs says obeying him, trusting him, living for him is the wisest thing you could do. And all of the things that you can choose is the wisest thing that you can do. So if our decisions say something about who we are, I hope it says that we are thoroughly satisfied, secure, and confident in the God we Worship the God we follow, the God who saved us, the God who wants for us abundant life with lots and lots of wisdom. Let's close together in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time of submitting to your word. We thank you that your word is, it really is life. It's light for our path. We also thank you that we don't need to know everything. We thank you for that. We thank you that all we need to do is trust you. And in, in so many ways, we, we know that's harder said than done. But as a community, and even the universal church of God, May it never, ever stop 
attesting to your goodness, your faithfulness, your, your trustworthiness. That for those who are on the fence of whether they should follow you, whether they should obey you, we'll be surrounded by a whole cheering squad of people who are rooting for them, people who love them deeply, love them spiritually. That every sister, every brother in this room today would feel so loved by you and the people around them, even if we don't know each other that well. Because we're all trying to do the same thing. We want abundant life. And as far as we can tell, abundant life is found in in choosing you, following you, living for you. So I pray that we would grow, not just as a local church, but as the corporate, universal church of God, that more and more disciples will become godly, wise decision makers. We pray that this would spark us into follow through, not just mental assent, that we will live it out. We would choose you above other things. We would choose you even above ourselves. Give us that courage, that determination, that conviction. Strengthen us here today. We need you. We depend on you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.